authentic belonging. When's the last time that you thought about the places where you belong? Some of us feel like we belong when we're playing sports. Others of us feel like we belong when we're outdoors fishing, hunting, or maybe golfing with some friends. Others of us feel like we're at home when we're out shopping or at the mall. Others of us, maybe it's just that favorite restaurant or that coffee shop. But all of us have places in life where we feel comfortable and where we're known. But how many of us can really say that we're known at those places? Can we really say that we can just come as is? Where we don't have to put on all the right clothes, where we don't have to say all the right things, where we can just really be who we are. Well, I recently went through a time in my life where belonging became very important to me. As many of you already know, a little over a month ago, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. And as you can imagine, it came as a huge shock to me, my friends, and my family, especially with me being so young. The doctors, the day I was diagnosed, felt like they needed to do surgery right away to remove the tumor, and instantly our lives were turned upside down. We went from what seemed to be this routine test to a life-threatening disease in a matter of minutes. We had no idea what to think, and I couldn't even bring myself to say the words, I have cancer. We had dozens of people praying for us and helping us through this, and it looks like the doctors were able to get all the cancer and it hasn't spread to any other parts of my body. In fact, <clears throat> I feel better today than I have in a really long time. And um, I'm headed for a full recovery. I do start chemotherapy on Wednesday. I have no idea what that's going to be like. But it looks like the worst is behind me. But I can tell you when we first got that diagnosis, things didn't look so great. We didn't know if it had spread. We didn't know if I was going to have to have other surgeries and to be honest, nobody was even able to assure us that I'd be able to recover from it. When your doctor tells you you've got cancer, you just really don't know what to think. We didn't know really what to think about anything. And when we're going through that really dark time in my life, I can tell you some things that I didn't do. Some things that I didn't do was get on the phone and call a financial advisor to try to invest in some stocks. I didn't go online to check out how my fantasy baseball team was doing. I didn't grab my laptop and start catching up on some work. And I didn't even care if Bo or Carrie won American Idol. The things that were normally so important to me all of a sudden became insignificant. There was only one thing that I cared about. And that was people. But not just any people. You see, I didn't want to have to be around people that I had to put on some cheesy televangelist smile and say that everything was okay because everything was not okay. And I needed friends and family who I could share that with, people I could be sad with, people that I could be honest with, people that I could share this horrible time of my life with. I needed a place where I belonged. And whether we realize it or now, not or now, we all need a place like that. But for some reason, when life is okay, when things are going smoothly, we don't pursue those types of relationships very much. I mean, sure, we all have places we belong, the lake, the golf course, the coffee shop, the mall, but are we really known at those places? Guys, let me ask you a question tonight. The last time you were on a sports team, how well did you know your teammates? 
I don't mean what kind of boat they have or what beer they drink. I mean, how well did you really know them? Did they have a good marriage? Were their kids doing well in school? How was their health? Where were they in their spiritual journey? Did they love their job or did they dream of doing something else? It's things like this that are really important to us, but unfortunately most of us are not in the relationships where we feel like we can share our lives in that way. So the question that automatically comes to mind for me is why? If we need it so much, and if we want it, especially when times like that come along in our life, why is it that most of us don't have places of true belonging where we're really known and where we can just come as is? The truth is, for many of us, it's just a simple word, fear. We fear what it would mean if we were truly known by somebody. I mean, it's comfortable to talk about the weather, sports, the latest episode of Desperate Housewives. I mean, those things are easy to talk about, right? You can just stay at a surface level with people. Things can be artificial and fun and easy. But the moment we start talking about stuff that matters, the moment we start letting people really see what's inside of us and really know what's going on in our lives, then we start to form authentic belonging with them. And for many of us, that's really scary. And we're scared of it for a lot of different reasons. Maybe you fear it because you think that if people ever get close to you and really see the real you, then they're not going to like what they see and they're going to take off. A lot of us fear that if anyone ever got to really know us, they wouldn't like us anymore. And we're scared to let anybody see who we really are because we just know that we're ugly inside and we're not the type of people that we even like. And so if people really got to know us, they're not really going to want to be around us anymore. Some of us just think we're weird. We think there is nobody else in the world who could possibly struggle like this. I'm unique. I've got this one problem, this one area of my life that's just so weird and so strange that if I ever open up to somebody, they're just not going to understand. They won't get it. They'll think that I'm some strange person with some strange problem, and they just won't understand where I'm coming from. Others of us, if we're honest, are just filled with pride. We don't want to let other people see what's inside of us. We want to keep up appearances in front of our friends. You see, we don't want people to know that we struggle. We want people to think that our marriages are perfect, that our kids are always well-behaved, that our finances are in perfect order, that we never struggle with our faith. We don't ever want people to see any of that stuff. We just die if they ever found out that we struggled in any of those areas. And if we're honest, we'll admit that we're just filled with pride there. And then, unfortunately, a lot of us fall for the biggest lie of all. And to, you know, to, to be perfectly honest, it's a lie that we preachers have probably been responsible for spreading. It's a lie that says real Christians, good Christians, don't struggle. Somehow the lie has crept in that if you're a good Christian, you never struggle, you never doubt your faith, you've got life all figured out, sin's not that big of a problem to you, your family's perfect, your friends are perfect, your life's just in order. Well, you want to know the truth? The truth is just the opposite. The best Christians are the ones who are well aware of their struggles and who start to form authentic belonging around them so that they can have others in the journey with them to help them walk in the way of Jesus. 
That's what it means to really be a good Christian. Well, this isn't a new problem. This problem has been around for hundreds of years. People from centuries past have been lying to themselves and lying to each other. By the way, we relate to each other. We don't like to be honest. We don't like to let people into our lives. One of Jesus' disciples, John, wrote about this very tendency that we have not to be honest with ourselves. If you would, take your Bibles with me tonight and turn to the book of 1 John. We'll be looking at 1 John chapter 1. Now, if you're new to the Bible, I've got some bad news for you. There's actually four Johns in there, and it might be hard for you to find. Um, it's actually toward the back of the Bible. Um, there's a thing, there's a, in the front of the Bible, there's a book of John, and then at the end of the Bible, there's 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. I know that's confusing, but that's just the way it is. So 1st John is where we're at tonight, and we're going to be reading a couple verses in the first chapter. Now, it seems like in the early church, something that was happening was that these early Christians had become convinced that their sin was really not all that bad. They had been exposed to a level of grace and forgiveness that they have never experienced in the past before. Think about it. These Christians grew up in Judaism. They had a bunch of thou shalt nots. They had a bunch of dietary laws and rituals and restrictions on their life. They had to go to the priest whenever they sinned and sacrifice an animal. And so their life was built around this system where they felt like they had to work in order for God to be happy with them. Well, then grace comes along and says, no, you've missed the point. The law was there to show you your sin. The way to come to God is by faith. And they grabbed this hook, line, and sinker and were so excited and just loved this newfound freedom that they had in Christ. But some of them were taking it to the extreme, and some of them had become convinced that, the, that their sin wasn't all that bad. They were under the impression that since God had extended such grace to them and so much forgiveness to them, that their sin wasn't all that bad. And John addresses this thinking in verse 8. Look with me there. He says simply this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. John makes a simple statement. If we deceive ourselves and say, I'm sorry, if we say that we have no sin, that we don't struggle, that we never have any problems in our life, then we deceive ourselves. Now, a lot of us would look at a verse like that and say, that's nah, just silly. Why in the world would anybody say that they don't sin? I mean, I know I sin. I know my spouse sins. I know my boss sins and my kids sin. I see a world full of sin. I know that everyone sins. Why in the world would I ever say that nobody ever sins? That's just silly. Well, I want you to consider with me tonight that you might be saying that by the way you relate to each other. Maybe when we build relationships with each other, when we talk to each other, and we never talk about anything that matters or never admit any areas of struggle, you know what we're really saying to each other? I don't have any problems. I don't have any struggles. I don't need your help. We may be falling into the same trap as these early Christians simply by the way we relate to each other. When we don't open up to each other and when we don't really tell each other what's going on in our lives. So what's the answer? What is it that John tells these early Christians to do in order to stop deceiving themselves? And the answer is simple. It's, it's again, one word, confess. Look with me in verse 9. 
He says, but if we confess our sins, then he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess simply means to say the same thing. What John is telling these early Christians to do is say the same thing as God about your sin. Admit it. Come clean. Don't try to deny it or hide it. You sin. You struggle. You need help. And we need to do the same. We need to be willing to open up. And I know it's scary. I know it's not easy. We think things like we talked about before. We think people will think I'm weird if I ever come clean. We think people won't like me anymore if I talk about things like that. And we think good Christians don't really act that way. I can't talk about stuff like that. And they'll think I'm not that great a Christian. But when we come clean, it's the way to freedom. It's the way to forgiveness. It's the way to be honest with ourselves. It's the way to be honest with our friends. You see, opening up is a scary thing, but I want you to think about the alternative with me tonight for a minute. What if you come to the end of your life and you're never really known by anybody? I mean, people are going to know about you. At your funeral, they'll probably talk about who you're married to, what kids you had, maybe the job you worked or some accomplishments you had in life. But what if you come to the end of your life and nobody ever knew the real you? What a tragedy it would be. And think about the things that you're missing here and now. Wouldn't you love to have a place where you could just come as is, where it didn't matter what quirky things you did or what mistakes you made? Where you had people who really cared about you and were there for you in the good times and the bad times? Where you could be honest about faith and about life and about your relationship? You see, a level of friendship and belonging is waiting for you like you've never experienced before once you're willing to open up. Opening up and being honest may seem scary. You may be afraid of that. But our greater fear should be never being truly known. Let me let you in on a little secret. When you open up this way, It's not going to surprise anybody. They already know that you struggle this way. I mean, it's it's not going to be like they have some major epiphany and they see that you struggle in certain areas. Guys, think about this. What if you went up to one of your friends and you told them, hey, man, I've really been struggling in my thought life lately. And he looks at you and says, really? I've never experienced anything like that in my life. (laughs) Of course not. You know he struggles just like you do. You guys are just afraid to talk about it. Ladies, what if somebody, uh, one if if you came up to one of your friends and you told them, you know, I've really been struggling with coveting lately and I just can't help it, but I want more and more shoes. Sorry for the stereotype, but what if you did that and came to one of your friends and you said that? Do you think she'd say, really? I've never struggled with being tempted with that at all. Of course not. The truth is freeing. It's refreshing. When you say it, It brings a level of friendship and belonging that that never was there in the friendship before. So my advice to you is very simple tonight. And that would be to begin to develop relationships of authentic belonging. Now at Athens Church, the place where that can develop best is in our community groups. 
Community groups are a place where we, where authenticity is the expectation. We want you to have a place where you can be truly known. And that's why we're so committed to asking every one of you to be a part of one because we want you to have a place where you can be truly known. Now, husbands, I want to talk to you for just a minute here. In the past, we men have had a reputation of being closed off and not wanting to be in community like this, right? I mean, that's just not typical of what men normally do. For some reason, our culture has taught us that it's not manly to be in a community like this and share what's really going on in our life. I don't know. We're supposed to be out plowing a field or something. But we're not supposed to be in a group talking to other people about what's really going on in our life. What I want you to do is I want to challenge you to be courageous and lead your family in this area of your life. When you step out and you lead your family to community like this, I can guarantee you that they're going to follow you. You know your wife wants it, and you know she needs it. You know how much your kids would benefit if the two of you were in a relationship with other couples and with other people who could really help you along with your walk with God. And if we're honest, we know that we need it too. We need a a place that goes beyond the superficiality that we experience in our normal relationships. We need a place where we really belong and where we're really known. And I'd like all of us to think for a minute and to imagine a place where this was the case. I want you to imagine a place where we could really come as is, where there was no need for fake religious talk, where you didn't have to worry about already having arrived in the faith, where you could just come just like you are, where you could be as is, where the same person you are at home is the same person that you could be in this place. Think about the sense of belonging that you would have. I want you to imagine what it would be like to have a place where you could talk about the struggles that you have in your marriage. Imagine a place where you could talk about the struggles you're having raising your kids. And I want you to imagine a place where you could bring your friends whose lives were all messed up and had been rejected in the past. Imagine what it would be like to be able to bring them to a place where they were loved and accepted right where they are. Imagine the impact that could have in their lives. Imagine the impact that could have in this local community. Well, that's the dream for Athens Church. We want to develop a place where people at all levels of their spiritual journey can find a place where they really belong. Well, for me, belonging, authentic belonging, is no longer optional. If there's one thing that cancer reminded me of, it's simply that life is short. It can be gone in an instant. And I'll tell you what, I refuse to be fake. It's just not worth it. There's way too much to lose. Closing my life off may feel safe, but in the end, it's the most dangerous thing I can do. Opening up and being honest about my life will bring a level of friendship and belonging that's far more rewarding than my fear. So I'd like to challenge us all tonight to listen to John and to come clean. Quit just playing church and acting like everything's okay in your life, putting on a pretty face in front of people, not wanting to open up with anybody, not wanting to be real, and just come clean.
Admit that you struggle. Admit that you have problems. Admit that you need help. When you do, it's a road that will lead directly to authentic belonging. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what you told us through John. That when we close our lives off and deny that we have any problems, all we do is hurt ourselves. But when we're willing to open up, to come clean, to confess, and to be real with each other, you've promised a level of belonging and forgiveness and freedom. Father, I ask that you would help us all to have the courage to join a group. Whether it's here at Athens Church or at some other place, Father, help us to be connected with each other. Where we're not just putting on a pretty face, but where we can really be honest about our lives. Where we can help each other in what really matters. Father, thank you for this opportunity to live life together. Thank you that you've given us each other to share life with. I pray that you'd help us to be wise and to take the opportunity to help each other live in the way of Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name.